Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC Plus, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC Plus. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Oveth. And we have a little bit of a special episode today. We had the final match day of the Russian Football Premier League before the long winter break. And who helped me to discuss everything today is Andrew Flynn. Andrew, um, so we're just going to go on a holiday for three months, right? Oh, yes, the most depressing time of year, really, isn't it? I've got, you, do you know why I'm so angry? I mean, amongst a million other things, because that's what Russian football does to us, right? But now I've actually got to pay attention to Manchester United, and that's the depressing thought in itself. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, the three-month break is... Well, there's not much we can do about it, I guess, but, um, yeah, we'll find plenty of topics over the next three months to talk about. But, uh, yeah, in behind the scenes, it's going to be a bit, bit upsetting to not have Russian football to keep us going. Yeah, you know, I, I'm excited about the special topics that we have lined up because we had a few ideas floating around, right? Um, Tim, who's unfortunately not going to make it, he has an exam, an important exam that he has to take. Um, so best of luck to him. Um, we, we have some really good ideas for the, for the long winter break of things that we want to discuss. So, um, I'm kind of excited about some of them. And, um, we have episode 100 coming up to the winter break as well, eh, Andrew? So. Um, lots of good things coming. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's let's try and let's try and put a positive spin on it because um, that's what we we should be pretty good at doing that by now, man. Given the the, uh, the the football that we usually have to end up watching to report on, but um, yeah, the positive spin is it is it is a chance for teams to reset and a chance for us to discuss um, some deeper topics because you know a lot of I think um, I'm entirely biased, I know, but I think one of the strengths of of, of footballground.com is the stories that we tell as well as the match reports. So, and, you know, I hope we can get in some really good topics. And like you say, episode 100, um, you know, we can hopefully catch up with the Gagan Pressing podcast raving success and, mm. and, uh, reward our little fans with a special episode then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's, let's before we dive into this, um, because what we want to do today is take a look at that first half of the season, right? 
it's a bit more than a half. They play a little bit uh, over, um, a little bit more games in the first half before the winter break than after. Um, and let's take a look at that final match day, the results. Um, we had Krylia Sovetov edge out Rostov 1-0. CSKA Yenisei 2-1. Uh, I hear the temperatures for that were almost normal. Lokomotiv 2-1 Orenburg. Uh, Orenburg is, of course, they have a match in hand after their um, all-weather pitch didn't hold up to the weather. Last week, Anshi 0-3 Spartak. Yeah, Spartak keep on winning. Anji keep on losing. Nothing much new here. Dinamo 4 Ural 0. Ooh, what happened here? Ah, well, I guess we have someone discussing this later with us. Krasnodar 1 Ufa 1. Oh man, Krasnodar missed a big chance here to go top of the table because Senate lost again. 1-2 to Ruben. Ahmad 2 Arsenal Tula 0. Um, let's start with Senate, Andrew. Because they are top of the table. Um, Boy, they had at one point, what, a nine-point lead? And we're down to one. What are we going to do with this half-season that they had? They, oh, man, I I said about a month or two ago, I said, that's it. Um, Like a lot of people did, that's it. The the league's over. It's just a case of how many points they'll win by. Um, And I, I was genuinely even accommodating their traditional winter slump that they pretty much always have nowadays before the before the winter break because of the size of their squad. Even if the squad, I mean, I do still believe man for man on paper they have the best squad, but then certainly not the most informed um, or best prepared. Um, I mean, you know, one example, there are a million ways you could demonstrate that. Three defeats in the last four games, um, playing Anyukov as a centre-back. Um, I mean, who would have foreseen him actually getting a good run of games in the in the team? But, you know, you've got a light, you've got some internationals there. You've got a Serbian international in Ivanovic. You've got Neto somehow as a Portuguese international. I'll never understand how. Um, Miha Mevlia, Slovenian international. You know, you've got all these guys in the squad. Um, Emmanuel Mamana. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I remember still- him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the, that's the thing in this elite squad. There are a lot of players who are in the short term starting to become semi forgotten men, which is yeah. madness. Um, but Manu, I will give you credit where credit is due. You have consistently said that Krasada are your tip for the title. And I got to be honest with you at this point, um, it'd be hard to argue against them. Um, now the only thing that might save Zeni at this stage is the willing to break itself, I think, but boy, they really have screwed up, haven't they? Yeah. If the, before we move to Krasada, because of course I want us, uh, want to discuss that in great depth um, <laughs> um <laughs> i mean the, the one thing that struck me about senate and you, i'm glad you pointed this out Anyukov playing center back in a three three man defense right um is that where senate need to do their homework over the winter sign the center back <sighs> i mean they shouldn't have to they've no. got the name yeah Mm. Well, I mean, I mean, they've got the names in the squad, but um, oh, perhaps they need to they need to move some players out. That's a problem in the winter transfer window because the big difference is Russian teams. Even though the calendar shifted what six years ago, um, obviously because of the amount of time, most Russian clubs will do maybe not quite the majority, but certainly a very 
greater portion of their transfer dealings in winter as opposed to European teams who are really looking for a bit of an emergency shoe-in transfer at best. Um, so I'm, personally, I would have got rid of Neto years ago. Um, I, I just He's error-prone beyond belief. Um, Miha Mevlia screwed up for one of the goals uh, against Rubin. Um, so uh, I don't know. I think um, perhaps they do. Uh, and usually their recent recent weeks as um, recent weeks sorry recent months um, last eighteen to eighteen months two years is just raid the best young Russian talent so perhaps they might even go in for Rubin Kazan's Yegor Sorokin who scored two against them he's called up to the Russia squad he's been very consistent for them and that's all they need they need just consistency at the back. Um, I mean, Manny, do you think they actually will? And if they do, do you think they will be able to get somebody of sufficient quality at centre-back? Well, I mean, I think you're quite right. They have a lot of centre-backs. I don't understand why Anyukov is playing there. Um, Wing-back and in, in the, the centre of, of three-man defence. Is that just the dressing room winning out again at, at Seni? That's the question, right? Because Anyukov has a lot of power there. Um, and he has decided overnight that he's now a liberal. Um you never think you're going to hear those those words no, they, they, don't, they don't fit well together do they I, <laughs> they slipped out of my mouth and um, there they were and um, I wish I had never said it um, <laughs> it's it's it's. I mean I, I don't get the lineups I, I've seen them now a couple times and uh, I don't understand and it's obviously not working so maybe Seymour just sees like they the points slipping and um, trying to experiment a little bit, trying to, to get everything mm. in order. Uh, he now has a lot of time to get that done, right? Yeah. Uh, the most yeah. time he's had as a Senate coach um, since he's taken over from the summer because they have a three-month break. They clean out the house. Um, I've spoken to Saul Pope um, during the week, and he said um, he is doing um, mid Midterm report on Sanid, and he said, "Oh, I've just downgraded Sergey Semak from a B plus to a B." Um, he didn't say much more than that. He didn't sound happy. Uh, so um, I'm curious to have Saul back on the show. He'll come back on during the winter break as well. But I think what what he means by that is those last few results. Um, they don't really speak in Semak's favor, and. I think the weird, I almost feel like they rescued themselves into that winter break, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I've, um, I'm more positive about Simak's performance overall than, than Saul has, but again, he has the emotional connection and it must be just unbelievably galling to watch, basically watch history repeat itself yet again, you know, start season with a bang and just peter out before the winter break. Um, I, I think he's not quite helped himself by not really spotting some simple, relatively obvious. We've talked a number of times about Artyom Zuba looking exhausted, for example, in recent weeks, and it's taken him up until the last game or two to actually give him a rest. Um, I think he's, I know this won't be the most popular opinion, but I think he's actually underused uh, Anton Zabalotny because he has an appalling scoring rate. I, I recognise that. But he's, and again, people might laugh at this, especially fans of English football. I'd almost compare him to Emil Heskey because um, when Heskey was 
at his most effective. He still didn't score very many goals. As one of the worst strike rates of an England striker, I think, in the last 30, 40 years, Zabalot, he's almost a bit similar. He's a physical presence. Um, and he's more, he's more effective at bringing other players into the game than affecting it directly himself. Um, and I'm not saying he will ever be first choice. He won't ever at Zanit, or he shouldn't be. But, you know, Semak could have realised a few games, maybe away from home against weaker sides, he could have just given Zabalotny the start and say to Zubat, look, you know, Zubat, you've had a really tough time. Just take a couple of weeks out. You don't have any stress and you just relax, regain your energy. We've got a squad that can cope with you. They've got the likes of Sebastian Ducey who can add a bit of pace and, and flair. So someone like Zabalotny could have fitted in. And I think he's reacted too slowly to that. Um, so, yeah, Saul's downgrading him from a B plus to a B is probably fair in the end. Um, but, you know, he's still top of the table. Um, and like you say, that three month winter break is, it works, is, is of benefit to Zanit far more than any other club, I'd say. Um, so perhaps we'll see a renewed Zanit in the short running. Um, but it, 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 an improvement is needed, certainly from him. Are we going to stick with that B? Oh, I think uh, I think B is probably about right. Um, it, it would have, like Saul said, would have been higher, but for the last two or three games, I think. But I think B is about right for him. Okay, fair enough. Um, let's move on to Krasnodar. Yeah, I think uh, I know what grade I'm going to give them, but um, I think <laughs> I can't believe this. You know, they were they were just they were just. Um, so close to actually finish the first half of the season in first place. And, uh, we, almost nobody saw this coming. Um, you know, you have to be pretty far-sighted and all-knowing to see this kind of performance, right, Andrew? Um, oh, yes, I, I thought you may, maybe of that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. Yeah. We joke, actually, but you know what, Matty, you, 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 you did call it. And if you think about it, I think too much emphasis was put on Fyodor Smolov's departure. I thought yeah. a lot of people, and I, I admit I was at least partly included in that group, thought it would affect them more than it has. But, um, you know, we we forgot to uh, factor in Ari uh, returning and, um, and being on form to the extent that he has. Um, we all wanted to see Ivan Ignatiev, but we didn't know quite how much he would play or quite how quickly he would settle in. Um, I mean, his recent scoring form is is certainly warranting him a place. Um, they don't miss Smolov at all. I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but they, they really don't. In fact, if anything, I'd say they look slightly more dynamic. Um, Ignatiev's movement off the ball is so quick. Um, and I think at times what let Smolov down was that he went by himself a bit too much, was a little bit too selfish. I know you need to be selfish as a striker, partly, but I think he was possibly too too much. So, mm. um, I, I would, yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I think we get to talk about Smolov a little bit when we talk about Loco, right? But uh, from from watching yesterday's game in particular against um, Schalke, I would agree with that. But I want to stick with with Krasnoda for a moment because you look you look at what that Smolov transferred to the club, right? Because it now, it, it forced them. Yes, Ari helped with that transition, um, quite a bit, but it forced them to play Ignatyev, 
who we who we wanted him to play um because he is one of those really super talents that are currently coming through the ranks in Russian football right and it also um allowed them to uh play Shapi Solimanov even though he comes mostly off the bench um i have an article up on him um calling him the Russian Paco Alcazar right because he comes off the bench and he scores every what what was it 31 minutes um amazing scoring rate he didn't score uh, against ufa on the weekend so that's probably brought the scoring rate quite down quite a bit but um my point really is this the, the idea behind this club was always to become this youth development team right that brings players through the ranks and the, the average age the average squad age is actually still quite high it's 27.2 but um those departures allow them to Allow Murat Musayev, who I think is one of the, the most talented coaches in Russian football as well, to just slowly feed those young players in, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you, you're right, Manu. He, the circumstances have, I would say, it's part, I mean, not, not circumstances forces hand. It hasn't, but it is provided him with the platform to do what Krasadar were effectively created to do um, 10 years ago. It's... Uh, it's just so satisfying to see the team come. You know, we're not talking about a, an enormous revolution in the short term, but in the long term, we certainly are because it's not. It's not just these two. We've got. Um, you know, we've seen Matvey Safonov come in and go a few times, and he's. You know, he's not looked out of place. He's relatively calm. Um, you know, we've got the guys who played in the UEFA Youth League last season so successfully. Uh, Daniel Utkin coming in in midfield as well. You know, these are guys who are part of the setup and their introduction has not been sort of shoehorned in because there's literally no other option. But like you mentioned, that freeing up of a space up front has had a knock on effect to spaces in the matchday squad. It's, um, it's brilliant to watch. Um, I think that, I think that Musayev is, his appointment was just very sensible. I'm always a fan of appointing from within when, you know, when your manager changes, unless there is a very obvious um, appointment to be made because, and especially in this type of club, because he knows the youth system so well, he's been there for so long and, and the players respond to him. He understands the ethos of the club. He, he understands why it's important to give these players a run. Um, but now the best part is he can combine that with actually getting results. He doesn't have to sacrifice the results because they're so well prepared. So yeah, I mean your your prediction, Manu. I have to be honest, it is looking very very good at the moment. Yeah, it is, and that's why I'm giving them an A for the first <laughs> half of the season. And as a, as a transfers, I don't think that they need to do much. Um, I think they're they're pretty good, Andrew. I want to move on to a team that I personally will give it an A as well. Um, and that's CSKA Moscow. Um, I know we're supposed to give the grade at the end of our, our summary, but I'm going to go and throw that A right out there. Um, they cut down the squad massively. They went from the most, the most experienced, the oldest squad, average squad in Russia to the fourth youngest. Average squad age is now 23.6. Um, they are just four points behind Senate at this point. And, um, yeah, you see sometimes the glitches. I mean, when you, when you take the Champions League performance, that game against Victoria Pilsen, the full spectrum of inexperience was just on display in that match. We talked about that last week, right? Yeah. But you take a look 
at the squad and what they have done and what Viktor Goncharenko has done with this team, um, I don't think many people expected them to be in a title race, and that's where they are now, given the amount of changes that they made over the summer. I think you have to give them an A, especially when it comes to player recruitment. Hundred percent. It was. Um, I have to say, it's one of the most one of the most remarkable differences between what expectation was, and I don't think the expectation. And I, when I say that, I mean most likely struggle to even make Europe at all. I don't think that was unreasonable, given the just the ridiculous turnover in the squad. Um, the difference between that and what they've produced is just it is absolutely phenomenal. And you're you're absolutely right to highlight their scouting department. Um, you, you know, look at the likes of um, um, Christian Bustovic, who came in in January, yeah. and you know he he played a couple of times. His debut, by the way, I remember very clearly, was just absolutely sensational. And in the uh, Europa League quarter final against Arsenal, he practically ran the show. Um, I mean, I know Arsenal in the end went through, but they had to rely on two late goals to secure that. Um, and you, you've got you know you've got players who would never have come across the radar normally. But they've really had to. They've really had to recruit from. Well, I mean, even when they spent money, they spent it well. Um, Ivan Oblyakov. Um, we could go on all day listing how well the recruitment has been. But Gontrenka deserves the praise. I hundred percent agree with you on that. Um, I mean, I, I would say for me, perhaps his most impressive individual um, task has been. Reinventing Ilza Akhmatov from a winger slash number ten to a to a controlling midfielder, and he he has the technical ability. I just didn't. I don't think anybody could have predicted it. And now he really is. Um, he's going to be. He's a big miss uh, while he's injured. He. I think he should be back from injury by the time uh, Tiska play again in the spring. But um, oh, it's absolutely remarkable. Uh, a is one hundred percent my grade for them as well. Um, I mean, how they've knitted together so well, brought in these players who have really been pretty much all of their players recruited have played their part. Um, it's it's just absolutely remarkable, stunning. Yeah, you you conclude, grade A, fair grade. Yeah, hundred percent. I anybody who gives that side, given the context, anything less than A is is not watching Russian football. Yeah. So. That gets us to the next team, fourth place. Um, <laughs> it's really too bad Tim isn't here today. Um, yes. Spartak. What are we going to do with Spartak, Andrew? Um, <laughs> That's exactly it. What are we going to do with them? It's, it's like a child, uh, like a parent watching a child just have, you know, brilliant results one day and then just running away from school the next. Um, what are we going to do with them? I, man, I, I'm very confused. I'm not sure what grade to yeah. give them, really, because yeah. it's quite hard to separate the sheer lunacy of the club being run by Leonid Ferdun and some of the performances of some players, some of the youth players who have come through and have played very well. Those There are certainly positive points in there. And again, you know, we look at the table. Okay, yes, Partly it's down to a lot of clubs stumbling, but they're only two points off Champions League places. That's very respectable when you consider the spending power of Zenit, the the brilliance of Krasnodar this season. Um, after those two teams, they are 
mathematically and realistically comfortably competing um, over the course of the, the season with the teams around them. So uh, then I wouldn't say they're underperforming. I mean, yes, the last three results have helped with that. Um, but if I'd say I'd have to give two grades for this, one for the running of the club and one for the actual performances on the pitch, which might be slightly different. But um, I, Manu, what, what's your gut feeling then? What's your gut feeling about Spartak? Is it a positive one or a negative one at the moment? It's actually surprisingly positive. I think that they could even still get into that title race. Um, mm. That winter break is is a big one for them. And um, in in Mikhail Ignatov, they have one of the biggest talents in Russian football. Um, we get to talk about a lot of talents on the show. Uh, that's a first on Russian football in a while too. Um, that winter transfer window, they still have that those promised millions lying around as well somewhere, right? Um, somewhere in those Luke Oil uh, treasure chest, there is a lot of money and. Um, if if they can spend that, then I think they could come out of that winter break really really strong. And six points is nothing, considering um, that they, the the way the league has been going with everyone beating everyone. So they could still get their hands into that title race. But on the other hand, they could also just completely collapse um, simply because they're Spartak. So. I, I, yeah, my gut feeling is that, I mean, things have been looking really good under Kononov. He's a Russian coach. He knows how to handle that Russian winter break. And, um, the, the transfer window opening will be a massive asset for them. Um, but when it comes to running the club, I would say, um, that's an F <laughs> as for the results. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as for the results, <sighs> I kind of have to give them a B. Because they are, you know, you're quite right. They're exactly where we expected them to be. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the thing for me. Okay, let's. I'll, I'll run very, very briefly. I'll summarise my positives for them. I think one of the major positives has been how, and again, whether it's enforced or not, I don't think it really matters. I think the introduction. Of, of the likes of um, Maximenko in goal. Has been, he's been very good. Um, while uh, Alexander Selikov's been out injured, um, he's now genuinely a first-team goalkeeper. He's not just a youth team player anymore. Uh, Ignatov coming through, uh, Raskazov, Lomovitsky, you know, got a lot of names coming through. And that's always, that's always positive because it means there's slightly less pressure to go and spend unnecessarily they might still need to spend in the winter transfer window but it means that there's slightly less pressure to do so um so that's definitely a positive i think the form of zay luis has actually been fantastic and um, i've actually always been a big fan of his because he's got very very good awareness of his teammates around him and his connection with luis adriano has been very good in recent weeks um zay luis is scoring a lot i think he's got about 11 goals in 23 games something like that in all competitions which is a very, very respectable um, scoring rate. So they've got a good partnership up front there. Um, so, I mean, there, there are positives there. Uh, if they make it into Champions League places, that would be a huge, huge success. It shouldn't be that way. They should be already in there. But as we are standing right now, they still have a lot they can get out of this season. Um, so... 
My grade for Spartak, I think B slash B minus, and I'm influenced by the running of the club as well, which is, mm. is hard to disassociate for me. Um, but it could have been much worse. <laughs> it could be much worse. Is um, That's a great transition to the next club, Lokomotiv Moscow. Um, although I did cover that game last night, Andrew, and I, I, can't, I can tell you it can't be much worse than that. Um, that was a dire performance if you ever, ever seen one. Um, they had the chance to go through with a win to the Europa League, which given, I mean, that this group that they were in in the Champions League, that was a Europa League group to begin with. I mean, Porto, Schalke, Lokomotiv, Galatasaray, the weakest group in the Champions League and um, everything was set up for them to go through all they needed as a, as a win against Schalke, a Schalke side that is really struggling, really poor as well. And, uh, right. I wrote a match report, need against misery. Uh, that's what I, that's what, what's, what's going on. You can pick which one was which. Um, they, it fits both very well. Um, yeah, yet they're fifth in the Russian Premier League standings. So, so one of my thoughts, match thoughts yesterday was, um, last year, Semin, he guided this team to the championship with this really pragmatic approach. It was all about getting the results. Um, it wasn't about the way they played football. Um, then this year, they, they went out, they signed Hövedes, they signed Krikowiak, right? Um, they signed Smolov. And then they tried to sort of bring in a bit more culture to the side. And um, it didn't work at all. Uh, gone is, gone is the pragmatic approach. Gone are the results. Um, all you get now is a bunch of players that d don't really seem to be playing in, in that system very well. Um, and we get to talk about Smolov in a moment because I have a th few things to, f to say about him as well, but it, it just doesn't feel right at all at that club at the moment. Well, you, you mentioned their recruitment and at the time I thought, you know what, they seemed like very good um, moves for the club. Smolov coming in as a focal point for the attack when when I still had a, a reasonable amount more faith for him, certainly before the World Cup. Um, Hervides is not a player I had watched closely like you have, Manu, of course, with his time at Schalke, but um, you know my thoughts on him. I think he is desperately ponderous on the ball. I, I'm shocked as to how he played for the German national team, I'll be honest. And I'm sure he probably did play better earlier in his career, but He's been he's been desperately poor. I actually thought Krachoviak last night was also fairly fairly poor in possession. He didn't yeah. seem to move all very quickly, and that's exactly the sort of role he was brought in to do. You know, the base in midfield have a destroyer like Igor Denisov, Krachoviak to distribute um, possession, and he's he's he slowed it down last night. And I don't think he's been awful for his whole time at Loco, but last night in particular, it was. Um, I mean, you know, that's exactly what he's brought in to do, and he's not done it. So, um, the thing about Loco is, they've, for the last two seasons, they've been, you mentioned the pragmatic approach. They rely on second half performances, and it puts pressure on you if you don't get the, if you don't get the, you know, the take the lead within the first 15, 20 minutes. But they had enough game changers on form last season to get them through that. Um, they, there's something remarkable, like in the last, uh, something like 40, since the beginning of last season, they've only been drawing, they've been drawing at half time in almost 30 of their games, 
uh, I think it's like 28, 29 games in the last um, 45, they've been level at half-time. And that's for a championship-winning side. And the side's still in European places right now. Um, the difference being, like you mentioned, they just, they're just they not they're not pulling the amazing comebacks or, or late finishes out of the bag this season like they were last season. Um, so, yeah, Simon struggles on. He probably will stay. Um, I felt a few weeks ago like he might even be, be fired because we know what his character is like and he certainly isn't the most um, conducive to a smooth working atmosphere, shall we say. Um, so, yeah, for me, their grade is certainly lower. Uh, overall, I would have to give Locomotive, uh, I, I'd have to give them a C. I just, I think their European performances, like you mentioned, huge missed opportunity. They will never get a Champions League group quite as seemingly comfortable as that. Um, they may not even get back into the Champions League, but they've failed on that front. They've looked limp in the league. They're only in the, those European places because below them, a lot of clubs are dropping points. So, yeah, that's a C for me. Yeah, I, I would I would go along with that. Maybe I was influenced on what I saw last night. Um, uh, it was not not the most fun game I've ever covered, Andrew, and I've seen some bad ones. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, going by that, it just seemed so riggedy. Um, everything that they were doing seemed so riggedy. They didn't really. I mean, Igor, Igor Denisov had a chance just before just before halftime and um that that was about it uh, Fedor Smolov came on and you sort of for for a moment you had that hope that oh maybe he's going to be the one he's kind of finally going to kickstart his season and get that goal that gets locomotive through to the Europa League right uh wow I, I wrote in my thoughts uh and my match thoughts that are on footballgrad.com and this sounds maybe controversial. I think he needs to move on from the side. He does not fit locomotive one bit. He does not fit the way they play. He does not fit that style. I know Eric Stoffelshaus, the sporting director, he, when they signed him, it was, it was a big deal. It was a big transfer for Russian, for Russian football, right? Um, and I get why they, why they got him, but I, th I only see two solutions with the Fedor Smolov, um, issue either locomotive are going to get a coach that makes Fedor Smolov and all the players that they signed work or I think Fedor Smolov needs to leave that club um, that's that's at least that's at least what I took away from yesterday's game curious what you think well yeah to be honest with you I can't really argue with that um, I think it's it is sad in a way how he has basically fallen from grace almost completely in the last six months. Yeah. Six months ago, he was, well, okay, technically maybe seven months ago, but six or seven months ago, he was indisputably the star man for the Russian national team. He was going to lead the line in the home World Cup. Um, and then from the moment that Zuba came in and Zuba mania took off, it's just been downhill ever since from him from there. And I think the truth is, like we said on this podcast a number of times before, he missed his big opportunity for a move to a bigger European club about 18 months ago, and or even earlier than that, perhaps. And I actually think had he made a move to, I mean, whether it Dortmund may have been a step too high for him, but 
maybe somebody like a Schalke 18 months ago or, you know, a, a slight, a mid-table Premier League club in England even, I think by now he would have been in a better position. Uh, and I think that was his big mistake. He missed the chance, the right time to go. And I think it's fairly obvious that he stayed because he was worried about his, you know, how he would be perceived before the Russian World Cup. He didn't want to risk that, which I understand part of it. But for long term, that was where he made his mistake. Now, he's not going to be picked up by any other club because nobody else can afford him. I was surprised Loco could themselves, to be honest. Um, now, who who's going to buy him? Uh, Spartak don't need him. They have Zay Luis, they have Luis Adriano. Um, Mel Gareco, Jano Ananita even coming back from injury in the attacking options um, Zanit well that's possibly where I thought he would have gone but would Zanit bring him in now they would have to get rid of Zabalotti certainly in the beforehand um, and Kukoy yes is in jail um, that will, that's something else entirely um, but other than that nobody else can afford it and I don't think anybody abroad will pay him any attention anymore so um, yeah, Manny, you make a good point. The only problem is, where would he go to? Well, Vancouver Whitecaps are looking for a striker. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm not sure he's Whitecaps, but well, no, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's 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 slightly harsh. Um, they can certainly afford him. There's a lot enough money lying around. Um, this, this is what happens when I miss my mix my two jobs up. Anyhow. Um, I want to talk about that that following pack a little bit. Um, we're going to throw a bunch of clubs here together, Andrew. Um, I'm basically going Ruben Kazan, Rostov, Grosny, Orenburg, Ural. Um, those are the teams. There seems to be almost like a little bit of um, a, a gap now developing between fifth place and the teams right behind that. Um, we have to kind of take Ruben a little bit out of this. Um, because they can't really qualify for Europe, right? For them, it's really just about playing a decent season. So, um, taking a look at this list of clubs, I, I know your club, um, Ural, um, you know, a win and they would be in that sixth place. Anyone yeah. in particular who sticks out for you, um, when you take a look at those teams? Well, in, of those four you, that you mentioned, Nobody sticks out in a particularly positive way. I mean, I, I would say Ural, but I'm, I'm wary of being slightly biased as I may possibly be on occasion about them. Um, but I mean, Rostov, uh, they, they, they can't get a win for love nor money in recent weeks. Um, Akramat are always going to be a mid table side. They, they're never really quite good enough to push for Europe. Um, I know mathematically they're very close, but I they won't they won't make Europe. I'll say that now. Um, Orenburg, well, yes, we know they have support from <coughs> Gazprom. I'm sorry, they are a well-run club, is what I meant to say. Um, but you know, they, they their players are, I would say, capable of mid-table football again. Um, I, look, okay, I'm slightly biased here, but of those four teams, I would argue. Oral and Rostov are the two that have potential to break into, well, let's call it the last potential European spot with, uh, in sixth, assuming one of the big boys win the cup. Um, so nobody really stands out. They, they've all had good periods. They've all had bad periods. Orenberg started the season very well away from home, um, scored a lot of goals. Um, they, 
they've, they've leveled out a little bit since then. Ural had a very good run of form recently until the last two games, and they've now conceded more than anybody else. Um, yeah, Akhmat are poor away from home. Rostov started again, started the season well, and have won for, I don't know how many games, at least not the last five or six games. So, to answer your question, uh, nobody realistically stands mm. out. Um, if I had to stick my neck out, I would say I would have, I would love to be biased, but realistically, I'd say uh, Rostov, uh, then Ural, uh, and then Terek, then Orenberg. Is how I see those four finishing uh, the season in that order. I like what Rostov have done this year. I think that they have been a fun club to watch at times. You know the whole carpet thing and. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought I thought actually that that carpet and the carpet, yeah. <laughs> See what I did there. Anyhow, I I like what they did um, this year, and I think that they they have they still have a chance. You know, maybe finish sixth, as you said. Maybe one of the big boys will win the cup, and that will get them into a, a Europa League spot, and that would be a good season for them. Especially with that new stadium, playing in Europe next year would be would be fantastic, and I think a lot of people would like to see that. Um, I mean, even seventh would be okay for them, right? If Ruben finish ahead of them because Ruben can't qualify for Europe. Um, they've, they've been slapped with that financial fair play penalty. So that's, that's actually a big opportunity. Um, the mm. other club, Orenburg, now they're on 22 points, but they have a game in hand because of the, um, the game that was canceled because of their all weather pitch not holding up to the weather. I never get tired of that, Andrew. That's just uh, <laughs> incredible stuff. Uh, what's the point of having an all-weather pitch if the all-weather pitch doesn't uh, hold up to the weather? Anyways, um, they have a game in hand against uh, Grilia Sovietov, and we get to talk about um, all those teams down there in a moment. But um, let's assume they win that. Then they would be the ones in Ruben's position. And I don't think anyone expected that. And I think if of all those teams, I think I have to give Rostov and Orenburg both an A for the season. Ural actually, yeah, I think that they, I mean, at, at one point they were, they were ahead of Spartak. Um, I know you enjoyed that very much. I, I think they, they're playing a very good season as well, considering the resources that they have. And, um, well, Ahmad, yeah. Ahmad really, I, I, I guess they will be signing Kokorin and Mamaev in the winter. Um, whether they're <laughs> going to play is, is a completely different question. But, um, yeah, Ahmad or Ahmad, uh, we, we're going to have a special on football in the Caucasus over the winter break. And then we, we get to discuss them and their political dealings and everything that's going on in great detail. So I think we can all look forward to that. Um, but yeah, that, those are my assessments. Anything you want to add before we move over to the relegation candidates? Um, yeah, I, I, I would largely go along with that. I think if I'll, okay, I'll, I'll give my brief grades then. Um, I think for Rostov, I would, boy, it's just quite hard. They were about where I expected. So I'd, I'd say, I'd say B slash B minus. I'll give them a B then because they are at the top of those, that group. Um, uh, I'd give them a, a B minus at best because it's just exactly where I expected them to be. Um, or I'll, They frustrate me. They always frustrate me because so many missed opportunities of conceding goals when they shouldn't have. Um, a couple of results at home have been far, you know, the performances have been far better than the actual results. So 
I'd give them a B. I'm slightly biased, I know. Um, Orenberg, yes, I would give Orenberg, I'd give them an A minus. I mean, they have overperformed what people expected, and they certainly are out of that bottom bracket of teams on performance, so they deserve credit for that. So I give them an A minus. Um, I expect them to stay roughly where they are in mid table, but I think they'll be safe. Which, which is in itself a very creditable achievement. So A minus for for Offenberg. Yeah, I, I can go along with most of that. Um, the relegation candidates, Andrew, Arsenal, Tula, Dinamo, Moscow, Krylia, Sovetov, Ufa, <laughs> Anji, and Yenisei. Who? Anyone in particular there that sticks out? I mean, I think we can pretty much say Yenisei are gone. Um, I think second season in a row, team far away from the East, really struggling to get a foothold into this league. Um, that whole episode on match day 16 with them having to play it, what was minus 21 degrees in the end, um, against Ahmad. The, the fact that Siberian football just can't get a foot in the door in the Russian Premier League. I think that is really the story that sticks out for me the most when I look at Yenisei. And of course, we had Skar Habarovsk the season before, right? Um, is that really when we look at Yenisei and their likely relegation, is that what we really look at when it comes to when it comes to the Yenisei story? Yeah, they, they, they're they not going to stay up. Um, I mean, I've I've watched them in the Fennel before and they've always been a entertaining in the sense that they, they are a well-organised side, but they, they just don't have the quality. I admit at the beginning of the season, I thought their recruitment of, or basically hoovering up um, all the players who were suddenly without a club from Tosna and Amkar was very sensible because the the ones they picked up, um, David Yurchenko, Gold, a good signing in particular, um, and I thought they had experience. I thought they would add the backbone that they needed, but they just sort of, airlifted a middling Premier League side into another club and it just hasn't gelled, or at least not yet. Um, they, their issues with where they are, which is not exactly their fault. They, they, you can't just tell them be warmer. They are in a very cold place. It's not easy to recruit players to a very unattractive proposition. Um, so they have to really recruit from players who already have or are playing in Russia so I certainly think they're going down. And it's, again, it's not difficult to predict that. They have shown some some moments of tenacity when they were playing in Tumen when their Centralny Stadium was being redeveloped. They actually were quite hard to beat. They weren't particularly thrilling, but they, they showed a bit of fight, a bit of spirit. So I don't think they're going to be... I don't think they'll give up or throw them a towel like Tom Thompson did, in my opinion, disgracefully a few years ago. But... Um, they they will go down, basically, is my assessment. Um, did I expect them to stay up? I, I was borderline expecting them to be relegation playoffs, perhaps. Um, so I do think they have slightly underperformed. Um, I, yeah, I, I'd say C at best. I think it's a location disadvantage for them, though. I mean, when you play in the FNL, you notice that the league is much more of a countrywide league in the second division. Yeah. So, you know, they're not the only team that's getting, gets, getting hammered for traveling. I mean, the amount of traveling that they do is just insane. And then the climate difference is just insane. And F and L, everyone has to do that. 
in the Russian Premier League, nobody has to do it but them. And I think that is, again, we've seen that now twice in a row. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like they are where, where they, where I expected them. I didn't really think that they would have much of a chance of staying in, unfortunately. And it's, it's a sad story that, you know, that because of the size of the country, Russia really has, is the Russian yeah. first division really is just a Western Russian league. You know, no one, no yeah. one from the East can get, can get in that league. Um, I mean, even the Caucasus teams, with the exception of Ahmad, were heavily state-funded struggle. <laughs> and that's that's a good transition right here. Andrew, our favorite club, Anji Mahachkala. Um, <laughs> my biggest surprise is that they actually still have a chance of staying in the league. <laughs> I, I, my, my biggest surprise is that they still exist altogether. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you, oh, Anji. They, you know what, I think... I think I would like them to stay up purely because the place is, is less interesting without them. They produce headlines left, right, center. Um, but they aren't, um, in all seriousness, they aren't a plaything. They, it's not just for our amusement. They, they were, they were people being employed here who never know from one month to the next whether their job is safe. I'm talking players, staff, the whole lot. I always get rather depressed when I watch Angie home games on the TV with the, the, the Angie Arena in Kaspersk is virtually empty for almost every single game, um, you know. And it's oh Christ, where do we start with them? They, I, I don't know. I, I expect them to go down again, um, or at least struggle very, very, very badly. Because I, I actually think the teams above them are slightly better. It's as simple as that. Um, I think Krulia are going to be okay for a number of reasons, one of them being that they have a World Cup stadium. Um, I said this last season, not towards the end of last season, that the Fennel teams with World Cup stadiums would be stronger, um, with perhaps some assistance in various ways. <clears throat> cough, cough. Um, and I think uh, I think for Krulia, that might well be the case too. I actually do think Krulia have a better squad anyway, so uh, Angie are going to struggle. Um, and again, it's roughly where I expected them to be. Um, I, I, I'd give them a great C as well, I think. Well, oh, oh, yeah. The, the way they run, um, we might not know, we don't even know if they're going to exist beyond the winter break. Um, and I know there were rumors about Emirates maybe coming in. Uh, I, I don't know if that's happening ever. Um, you know. I don't know what a big airline from Dubai would be doing there. I think that that's a rumor that keeps flaring up, right, Andrew? Um, the whole Emirates deal. Um, I've read again that it's still on the table, but is it really? Well, I've uh, what I've understood uh, in the last week or two is that, and I, I'm not sure. Again, I'm still not sure how much I believe it, but they apparently are interested in. In building more links in the region, simply because um, there there are a a lot of Russians who live in the United Arab Emirates. There are a lot of business links there, and nobody else has a regular direct air link to to the region. But I'm not entirely sure how much that's really going to benefit Emirates. So uh, I don't know. The, on the on the other side, though, Manu, you'd have to admit that. It wouldn't be expensive on the grand scheme of things, anyway, to be the main sponsor for Angie. But you know, even a little 
but from a reliable company that is clearly not going to go bust would be invaluable to Angie. So it makes a lot of sense from Angie's point of view. It could potentially make some sense from Emirates' point of view because it would A, be relatively low risk in terms of the cost to them. Oh, wait, you're saying um, it's going to be low risk to give Anshi money? Uh, I don't know if I can agree well, with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me clarify that. Um, if you expect to see any return on the football pitch, then, of course, it's a completely nonsensical idea. Um, but uh, just purely in the sense that Well, I mean, you know, a sponsorship deal for Angie, I can't believe will be worth any, you know, much more than, I don't know, two or three million dollars a year at most. Mm. Um, so in Emirates terms, that's pocket money. Throw it away, they might get a slightly higher profile. Who knows? Perhaps a bit more business links may be brought about. It's all circumstantial, really, and hypothetical. So I don't expect it to go through. Um, but again, if it did, It could just about be that little push that Angie need just to first survive and secondly have a shot at, at staying up. So uh, I would be interested to see how it develops. Um, I don't expect it to go through, but it's one to keep an eye on at least. Yeah, I would also say it would probably be shots fired at Qatar Airlines um, because they they have quite a strong presence in in on the Russian market. So um, that would be maybe why I could see Emirates going in there. Um, you know, it's all geopolitics, isn't it? In some ways, especially when it involves the Middle East. But that's an entire podcast on its own. When Emirates does move in there, I'll, I'll give you a quick, a really big analysis on footballgrad.com on why I think that Emirates really is going there. Um, Anchi Yenisite and favorites to go down. I, I guess. Yeah. 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 I think we both agree on that. Um, that of course means. Tula, Dinamo, Kirillia Sovetov, and Ufa um, fighting for those relegation playoff spots of trying to avoid them, right? Um, of those four, yeah. what do you think? Who's going oh, to be the one well, having to look down the barrel of um, an home and away fixture uh, fighting relegation? You know, for me, Manny, uh, I would have said before the weekend... I would have probably on balance said Ufa, but they the thing is they've struggled so far in the first part of the season. I think certainly in large part due to their fixture congestion early on mm. um, with the Europa League qualifiers. That really didn't help them. And the fact that they lost um, Yakov to Tesca, who's a key part of their midfield. However, they have brought in um, Olivier Thiel, Field um, from Luxembourg, he scored against um, Krasnodar, and they they are still, I mean, in Russian terms, relatively stable. Um, they definitely have the quality to stay in the league. I think the question is whether the winter break will be used wisely. And we mentioned at the top of the podcast that Zenit are the club that need the winter break more than anyone else. But at the bottom end of the table, I'd say far are probably the ones who could benefit benefit the most. Um, Dynamo will, well, no, sorry, I'll take that back. Dynamo won't probably move into their new stadium because it seems like they're the Tottenham Hotspur of Russian football in that sense. They'll, they'll never move in, but they should, in theory, move into a new stadium in the spring. Um, uh, Ufa should, I think, fight for it, but they've, they've got to get past two more teams. 
and that's it's not going to be easy because I'd say it's relatively close around that end of the table. So, um, I mean, just by the virtue of being in the relegation playoffs at the moment, they're certainly going to be in that question. But I get a feeling they will get out of it. Um, I think they're a better run club than the others around them. So, I, I I've got a sneaking suspicion Ufa will just about escape. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that playing those for smaller clubs, playing those early rounds in Europa League can really hurt you. And I, I think that um, having that three-month break will do them a world of wonders. Um, also, I look at the, the, the goal differentials, and Krylia Sovetov's goal differential is by far the worst of all the clubs um, not called Anji and Yenisei. So um, if I was them, I would really worry about that. So I think Ufa can get out of that. Um, yeah, greats then. Um, Tula, I think they were expected, so that's a good see for them. Dynamo Moscow, yeah, I guess they're still rebuilding. Um, I didn't expect too much from them either. That's like a C. Krylia Sovetov, that game in hand can really flip things around, but that goal differential really worries me. C minus Ufa, yeah, they got work to do. Um, it's a C minus as well. Midterm report not looking good for them. <laughs> Angie and Yenisei, who I think Angie is getting a D. And Yenisei, I mean, it's really harsh, but we didn't really expect much more from them. So maybe a C plus. Yeah, I think um, I, I'd go along with that for, for Yenisei. It's um, it's not been as completely awful as the bottom club in the league. The, the outlook for them would be. Um, I think for Ufra, it, it, it's, it feels harsh to give them a low grade because of the context that we've mentioned with the, the couple of players they lost and the fixture build-up. Um, so I'm tempted to just ever so slightly nudge them to a, a C-, minus. I don't know, perhaps a C, um, but no C-, minus because they, they were f- a far stronger proposition last season. Yeah. Um, Dynamo, well, they should be much higher. I'd argue of all the teams in that area that should be higher, I would say they're the most. So I'd give them a low grade too. I'd, um, they have been good at home though. They have been quite hard apart from that, in my opinion, freak result against Yenisei um, Krasniask where they lost at home. Um, they had conceded the fewest goals of anybody in the league before that game. So I'd say I'd say C. I didn't expect a lot more, but they have shown some promise. Um, Arsenal, Tula, are they're a, they're a really fun side to watch. They, they pretty much guaranteed goals. They've got players who can take shots from distance. They've got good wingers um, and a slightly crazy f- defender, to be honest. Um, so I, I'm actually a big fan of Arsenal, Tula. I want them to stay up, and I think they will. Um, so... Yeah, Arsenal too, they should be higher in the league. So I'd still have to give them a C plus, I would say. I would say for Arsenal. Well, there we got it. We graded them all, Andrew. Um, yeah, that's it. Season, first half of the season is in the box. Um, wish everyone a Merry Christmas. No, I'm just joking. We'll probably have one more pot before Christmas. But yeah, Andrew, um, that's a wrap from the first half of the season. That's a wrap for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, floor is yours. Where can people find you? What do you want to promote? Yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter pretty regularly. Um, I 
marginally questioned some Liverpool fans recently and I got a good reaction this morning. I wasn't doing it for that alone, but yeah, no, I like to comment on Twitter at Andrew M-I-J Flint and yeah, I mean, I've, I I pushed it last week, but um, this week we're at it again. Um, I, I, I produce and edit a magazine at totalfootballanalysis.com and that will be out, our end of year review uh, will be out in about 10 days time and this week on Thursday we'll be releasing the November edition so it honestly I, I am slightly biased because I work there but some of the guys the analysts that we have are genuinely brilliant um, it's really opened my eyes to a lot of styles of play and it really is worth your while if you're interested in understanding games better why things happen head to totalfootballanalysis.com um, and have a look. It's well worth your time. Yeah, excellent stuff. And definitely go and check it out. Yeah, um, it's Champions League, Europa League week on last one before the winter break. Uh, so all of that is on footballgrad.com. And then we have, um, you know, there's lots of stuff still happening, even though the Russian, Russian Premier League is on break. We'll have uh, long stories. We have features. We have all sorts of stuff. The Bundesliga coverage, of course, on fußballstadt.com. Um, three more, two more match days. Three more match days, I'm sorry, um, before the winter break kicks in there. And then, of course, uh, we get the January transfer window. So, yeah, lots of things still happening. And um, all of that can be found at Football Grad Live. I've been your host, Manuel Weff. You can find me at Manuel Weff. Um, follow me. I, I do all sorts of stuff. I do the Bundesliga. I do um, MLS a little bit uh, for Pro Soccer USA. So, yeah, you can find me at Manuel Weff. Well, Andrew, that's it. Winter break is here. Um, I'll talk to you next week and I talk to all of your listeners next week. Dos Vidanya. if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time? Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.